Has a lane, 15-10, touchdown, Chargers! What's up, guys? Welcome into a Week 17 edition of Chargers Weekly. As always, joined by Matt Money-Smith on location this week. Happy New Year, my man. It's coming up. Yeah, happy New Year, uh, everybody. Happy holidays. I stuck. I uh, I pulled the Urban Meyer, but thankfully I I behaved myself. I uh, <laughs> stayed back in the hometown after the team did not hop on the team charter. I, I came in a couple days early. I am from uh, Northwest Indiana, so the schedule makers did me some sweet favors for the Christmas season. Got to uh, see the family for the first time in like five years on Christmas, so that was nice. And then instead of flying back with the team. Stayed here, and then our uh, our friends at a certain airline decided to start canceling flights at a rapid rate, and I got quite concerned. But uh, as of right now, knock on a sure microphone, uh, my flight will take off tomorrow, and I won't have to run a scam- scramble drill and figure out how to be at this game on New Year's Day. Dude, some of those images from the airport are unbelievable. Um, like you said, we won't yeah. name the airline, but I mean, overall, just tra- uh, travel has been ridiculous hey. this week. Yeah, selfishly, if uh, if they know how to take care of me, then we're good. Then we're okay. <laughs> so be it. Well, buddy, still in the Midwest, uh, basking in the the Chargers' twenty to three win over the Colts, clinching a pay- playoff berth for the first time since twenty eighteen. And money, you know, I, I think we say it every week talking about Justin Herbert, you know, winning games on the arm of Justin Herbert. Well, this was all about the defense, man, and the defense has played unbelievable. The last three weeks and, and you could throw out the caveat it was Nick Foles it was a Colts team that didn't really have much to play for but I don't really think that mattered 177 total yards uh, seven sacks three picks 0 for 10 on third down this team has been so dominant on third down uh, over the last three weeks and, and you talk about a team I think peaking at the right time especially on the defensive side of the ball I mean this is I think what what we kind of expected throughout the year. You had so many injuries, but uh, a switch kind of flipped here, and, and this team is playing really good defense. Yeah, they found a rhythm. You know, they they certainly have, and I, I think it. I, I think you know the caveat probably has to be dropped in there. This Colts team's been really bad all season, um, but it gets wiped out because of what they did against Tennessee. Uh, and Miami. Uh, so this yeah. is just the third game in a row where the defense has looked like this. Uh, they're sacking the quarterback. They're the best team in the league on third down. You mentioned zero uh, on Monday night, previous two weeks, three apiece. Um, so I think it's three, four, three, if I remember right. Three for 10 for the Raiders. I want to say maybe the Dolphins had three and two of them, if I remember right, were on that final drive when they were playing prevent um, yeah. or one of them at least. And then I think four for the Titans. So um, it's it's not just a one game. Oh, you just took advantage of a miserable Indianapolis squad starting Nick Foles for the first time and you know twelve months. So uh, again, you, t- you 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 play who's in front of you, and they look. That was a I, I think it was a high pressure game. You know, anytime you know you always hear it right. Like oh, the, ba- they, the here's the magic number. It's one, and then you you know you hear about. We, we hear it every year, right? There's these baseball teams that go on these six-game losing streaks when all they got to do is win one to punch their ticket or, you know, the way it works in basketball. And, like, closeout games are tough. And the NFL's a little different because you're not playing the same opponent or anything like or, or an opponent multiple times. But um, you have that in front of you. It's like, hey, if you don't get it here, okay, 
Now you got to, you know, get back home and, and face a, a Rams team that won the Super Bowl last year, even though they've been terrible this year. And then after that, it's a, a Broncos team whose defense has been number one in the league. You know, so it was a high-pressure game. And the defense came to play. That's where they were going to make their bones. That Indianapolis Colts defense has been good all year. That front has been really good all year. I, I had a feeling, we talked about it, Chris, that this was going to be, uh, you know, a little bit of a struggle for the offense because of that interior rush of DeForest Buckner, and that proved out, you know, to be the case. Quiddy Pay was great. Their linebackers are really good. Stephon Gilmore's been great in the secondary. So, you know, I think we knew it was going to, that, that, that if this was going to be a recipe for a victory to punch their ticket to the playoffs, it would probably have to be on the backs of the defense. And, you know, I'll just quickly add, you know, Kyle Van Noy has really found his place in this defense yes. after struggling I shouldn't say struggling but after just trying to get his bearings you know and and figuring out okay I'm playing edge the whole time you know and, and getting a rhythm in that position it's it's finally showed and and man as it showed he's he's been one of the best players on the field for either team in each of these last three games and certainly that was the case on Monday yeah he was on McAfee too and he it really off the field too money I, I think he said he was Hurt not playing his best uh, at the beginning and middle of the year, so he was kind of hesitant to to kind of be that vocal leader in the locker room. But these last three weeks, he's come on and he has kind of felt the um, like it's okay now to to have these player led meetings. And he said it on on Pat's show. He said, I, "I'm a winner." He goes, "Everywhere I've go I've gone, I I, I win." Um, and you know, if, if you don't like the way. Uh, you know, we hold you accountable. Too bad. This is this is what it is, and I, I, I've seen some of these guys: Sebastian Joseph Day, Khalil Mack, Kyle Vano, guys who weren't here last year, who they brought in uh, because a they knew the system, b they they were they were leaders in their own right, and they had one at different spots. Uh, you're seeing those guys really start to take ownership of this defense, and then you add in the fact that guys like Drew Tranquil, second year in the system. Um, Nas Adderley, Michael Davis, guys who had been here before who were trying to kind of find their way in this system. They found their way. Alohi Gilman's another guy, man, who, who's been just so steady all year long. That fourth and one where he jumped over the line, he said he was channeling his inner Troy Palomalu, pulling Nick mm -hmm. Foles back. I mean, those are the types of guys that have really kind of uh, set the tone late in the season. And we don't even mention Derwin James. Der Derwin didn't play the last two weeks. Uh, that was one of the more vicious hits you're ever going to see. But I, I love what Brandon Staley said after the game. They set their guy up. That was their fault, not ours. And, and, and that's what – listen, you, you can't tell me that – first of all, I know Derwin. I know Derwin's intent. Uh, Derwin just plays freaking hard. And that hit, I have to believe, got the defense – up a little bit, like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is what we're doing, you know? And uh, Derwin sacrificed his body. You know, he's in co concussion protocol right now. But it yeah. just shows you, when this team's healthy, and hopefully they get Joey Bosa back at some point, um, they could be a force in January. Yeah, look, I think you just to, to that particular play, and, and I, I, you know, obviously I'm calling the game, so I don't know, but I guess Troy, you know, went on a pretty healthy rant about how upset he was about it. And, um you said it, you know, we're, we're, we're biased because we're around Derwin. We love Derwin. He's, he's one of the best dudes you'll ever be around. Um, but it's just not in his character. He's not a dirty player. He never has been. Um, yeah. you know, he respects the game, respects his opponent. You know that week in and week out. Um, and Brandon Staley said it perfectly. Nick Foles 
absolutely set him up. I mean, that ball is floating out there. Derwin is, he, you, you've got to be able to see him just sitting there behind him. Uh, as long as that ball is up in the air, he's got a chance to, you know, really break on it. And I think ultimately what happened, and, I'm, you know, you'd, you'd have to ask him, but because of the concussion, you can't talk to him. But I think, you know, I think he was going for the ball. Like, that's what my view of it was. And it kind of yeah. happened right in front of where we were calling the game is the ball was caught a little bit high, and it looked like Derwin was kind of just coming in to put his body and his head right on that ball to try to pop it out uh, to force the incompletion. And, you know, Derwin, unfortunately, is a victim of his own genetics. He's so big. Nobody else can do that. No. Nobody else can do that. Yeah, he's not your average size defensive back. He's two inches taller and 15 pounds heavier than your average and just as fast, if not faster and more explosive. So like you combine all that and those are the kind of collisions you get. I get the whole flag because look, when you drop your head to try to pop it out, yeah, he caught the guy on the chin because of where he was coming in, but it wasn't it wasn't a target. It wasn't like he was trying to lower his head to crack this guy in the skull and and do that kind of damage. It, to me it was like Derwin kept saying and screaming on the sideline, I hit his shoulder, I hit his shoulder. Yeah, he did. You know, so it's unfortunate. I'm happy that there was no additional discipline. Um, now I just hope that he's okay and that he's able to come out. Because as you said, before he left, boy, what an impact he put on that game. I mean, his pressure forced the interception that Michael Davis got, and then he intercepts the ball himself with just a remarkable grab to get that knee down, you know, on that, that right sideline. And it's it was play, it was kind of building toward one of those signature Derwin games. You just felt like a sack was coming for him. You know, it's going to be a sack interception. Maybe there's a forced fumble in there, something like that. And it's a reminder of how much he can impact the game. You mentioned Aloe, and and I think kind of one of the things that this particular group has done, and and who knows if it would have happened anyway, because they're young players and they're just getting more experience. So there should be, you know, this this arc of you know of production that that continues in an upward trajectory. But you know, Aloe, um, Chris Rumpf, who's now had sacks in back-to-back games. Braden Fajoko, how well he's played at the point of attack, you know, perhaps under guys like Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day and having those guys around him, that helps Fajoko, that helps Gaziano get his first career sack. He had a tip ball, you know, things like that. So I think you make a great point, which is sometimes it's not necessarily in the box score, but it's professionalism, it's experience, it's veteran leadership, it's the stories about Khalil Mack taking these young guys out that are, you know, undrafted practice squad, Fajocos, Gazianos, Davisons, you know, building this camaraderie, picking up the tab, you know, on these nice dinners, letting them know how appreciated and how important they are. Kyle Van Noy's leadership, you know, winning Super Bowls, um, being a winning player from a winning culture, um, helping to guide the path of this is what we have, this is what it looks like in December, and this is what it looks like in January, and this is how you get to a neutral field in February and play for the Lombardi. I think all that is is now coming out because it can, because now you've punched yeah. your ticket and now you're in the tournament and now you're not looking ahead. You are, you know, you, you are focused on playoff seating because there's a lot of, and I know we're going to get into it, there, there's a, a lot of variance in, in where this Chargers team can end up and other teams can end up. And I can only imagine how much is on the plate of those advanced scouts um, as they're trying to figure out, okay, what is our, cause you always have to, you know, the advanced scouts have to look two, three games in advance and they're trying to put together sure. this puzzle of, of what the Chargers are going to be doing. 
I sat down with Sebastian yesterday just to talk about him playing his former team. But I, I asked him, I said, you know, for the fans, they probably point to that Miami game as the start of, okay, this is when the defense really started to come on. I said, when did you kind of notice that this was going to be something? And he said, actually, it was the Raiders game. He's like, the way that they started that Raiders yeah. game with the three and out, the pick six, Bryce Callahan, and then it just kind of got sideways. But he said – you know, we kind of knew then, like, all right, the, this defense um, kind of has figured it out a little bit. And I go back to that that play in Arizona, Monday. We were talking about this on Monday. I still believe that that, that two-point play was really the pivotal moment of this season. Like, I think guys really did, at that point, you know, start to believe that, hey, we, we got something here. Now, we've put ourselves in a position. You know, we, we do this podcast every week, man, and it's, it's, I think it's very easy for fans to be kind of prisoner of the moment. Like, when things are going good, you're really excited. When things are not going great, you're, you're really down and negative. Um, but it, it just shows you a 17-game season, this team's 9-6. and six. Um, A lot of this has not been pretty, but look at where they are right now. You know, they're in prime position to get the fifth seed if they just went out and, and Baltimore loses a game. Or um, I, I think I saw something yesterday where if Cincy loses out, um, Cincy could be the one seed or the sixth seed, man. That, like, that's how tight this AFC yeah. is. Um, the, the Chargers have played the Chiefs uh, games by a field goal, uh, two games by a field goal. Um, so you can't tell me that the Chargers is the fifth seed don't have a good a shot as any uh, to make noise in the postseason. Yeah, just going back to that Raiders game, completely agree. And, and like, look, there's a reason why the third down stats go back to that game because the defense was dominant uh, for a, a healthy chunk of that game, and just things, you know, get sideways. And and it's and I guess you know if you want to focus on sort of what okay, so what went wrong? I went back and watched every drop back and, and every offensive play in the Colts game, and I think it's you can trace it back to that Raider game as well right so they start you know they get the they get the pick six uh they can only convert you know the the field goal instead of getting a touchdown on the other turnover um and then they start the third quarter with a chance to build a lead and build on their lead and instead you know it's a fumble and the fumble turns into a touchdown and then the next three and out turns into a touchdown for the Raiders and they get the momentum back um and so I think when when you look at the Colts game and it's like okay when is when are we going to get that offense? I thought, when are they going to get that offensive, you know, when are they get this offensive game? The, yeah. the game where you're like, oh, yeah, there we go. There's our 30-point game. There's our 450-yard game. Um, and I, like I said, I think the, the way the Colts defense has been playing all season and just the, the way that the, you know, sort of the terms dictate themselves, you know, you could have punted every possession in that game and felt pretty good about, how you know about getting out of there with a win so I think you know it's again it's a defense that piled up sacks what did they have four or five I think they had four if I remember right against the Chargers I think they who the Colts yeah yeah the Colts game I think it was four um you know Buckner had, pay had one yeah so right so you know and and I think according to, to PFF you know it was the most pressured Herbert's been under all game or all season. So, you know, it's funny. I got home and four sacks. Yep. Yeah, so I got home one in the morning. I drove home from Indy. Um, next morning, you know, 
get up, whatever, talking to the the parents and, and the wife and the family and stuff. And they were like, oh, it was great. We were able to sync up your call with with the TV and the whole family was sitting around listening to you and, and DJ and Shannon and, awesome. and watching it. And it was awesome. And, and they were like, man, it was such a rough game for Herbert, though, man. Oof, that was tough to watch. And I was like, really? I, I didn't feel like that at all. I felt like Herbert actually played pretty well. And so when I went back and watched every drop back, I was like, holy crap. I did not, you know, you don't realize the pressures because you're in the moment and like, the, you know, when I'm calling the game, I, I've got to watch the play, but I'm also kind of scanning downfield to see what's open, figuring out where he might go to call the complete, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, um, and I, did, I don't think people realized how much pressure he was under in that game. I mean, it was, it was constant. It was a lot. He was, he was under a lot of heat and that's nothing on the offensive line. Well, I mean, I guess it is on the offensive line, but again, it's one of the better fronts they're going to face all season. I mean, Buckner is an all pro level player. Pay has really come on. Um, and we know Yannick Ngakwe has just been as consistent as any edge rusher. You know, I think DJ made the joke. He said, "If uh, what did he say? He's like, I think if Gus went to coach high school, he would bring Yannick Ngakwe with him. <laughs> you know, like so. It, it, I think it's and, and and look, he made some. And what I'm getting at here is, you know, there were some really good plays that were made in that game that unfortunately, you know, weren't that didn't hold. You know, there was that long completion to Keenan." that got for you know that the completion didn't um it was broken up by the ground and by the player it was a little bit behind it but like that was a 25 yard throw that could have set up a yeah. touchdown in the third quarter we finally could have had our first third quarter touchdown perhaps you know and and pip gets called for the the hold which was a hold you know on that that toss to parham that was perfect that would have given you a first and 10 from the 29 of indianapolis so like things like that how about can, Keenan barely stepping out of bounds? Exactly. Keenan barely, and which, by the way, I don't know if he did. I still, to this, I don't know if he did. It was right in front of us where it happened, and I was really surprised they did not take a look at it. But then, you know, I, I, I didn't feel like they blew the, the play dead because the sideline official where Keenan was running is the one that signaled touchdown. So I'm like, well, if he didn't blow it dead – who blew the play dead? Because it certainly would be irresponsible if any other official blew that play dead than the guy that it was right in front of. So I think they just kind of missed that one or assumed that he stepped out. Anyway, um, yeah. there were some incredible – there was that throw. that You know, what a, what a cool play to dial up for Joe Lombardi. You know, the throwback from Kelly and Herbert getting rid of that thing. Like, if you watch that play over and over again, you will see there is so much pressure in his lap when he gets that ball, he just has to flip it and try to get his hand where he wants it, and then he throws an absolute seed. I mean, a freaking seed to Keenan right in front of the hand of an out, you know, the outstretched hand of a defender. It's the only place you could put that ball for that completion, and he does it with two guys in his face on a throwback, trying to get his hand set. And I think that overshadowed what was the second best throw of the game, which would have probably been any other quarterback's best throw of the game, you know, from the week. And that was the little drop the arm slot sidearm around DeForest Buckner, who was just about to sack him on a second and nine yeah. to Mike Williams, who was bracketed and goes for 18 yards. Like th those are the things that just show up as what 48 yards of passing that in, in the box score that that doesn't tell the story like that does not tell you what Justin Herbert did for those whatever 58 or 48 yards of of passing so Justin has one touchdown pass over the last three weeks the Chargers have won all three games and I think if you're a Chargers fan I'd be very encouraged 
by that because Justin is making plays throughout the game. Um, I, I do believe that they'll get the offense right. I, I think that you'll you'll see a game where they can score 28, 31 points. And if the defense is playing like that, then, then that's the recipe. Uh, but when you look at those stats, you're like, oh, well, what's, what's going on? I, I think the one thing that they have to do, money, and you saw this all game, Mike Williams, four for 76. All four of those catches came on those two touchdown drives. They got to get Mike involved as, as much as they possibly can. You can never have 81 um, throwing the ball to enough. I, I still believe with Joshua Palmer, too. Like Joshua showed us in the middle parts of the season that, that he could take a heavy load and, and make, a, make an impact. Um, I think a lot of it, though, to your point, is the pressure that just, Justin's getting. You know, he was hit yeah. seven times. You said he was sacked four times. Um, but 81 showed up on those two touchdown drives. And then like every other possession the Chargers had didn't even get targeted. So I, I think they did enough. They knew what they had to do to beat the Colts. Uh, Austin was great. They, they helped control the clock. They, they kind of dominated the second half. Um, they won by 17 points. But you won't see Indy in mid-January. Um, th- that's when that offense has to get rolling. Yeah, what, I, what I'm hoping you don't see is, is – you know, an, an offshoot of Indy. It was interesting what they did. Um, so what, what the Colts ended up doing, uh, and again, when you go back and watch it, unfortunately, I, I, you know, you don't see it during the game. I think DJ might have mentioned it. I think he did mention it during the game because he sees everything. But it really jumped out to me when I went back and watched all the dropbacks. They bracketed Keenan and Mike on every play. Those mm-hmm. two guys. Two defenders committed. So they, you've got four defenders committed to those two receivers Almost every single play, Mike was bracketed the entire game. Um, there were just there were two guys on him the entire game. Keenan, I would say, and look, somehow Keenan still got eleven receptions out of it. Yeah, but I would say targets. on yeah on eighty percent of his routes was bracketed by two guys, and then they were like, "All right, we can get away with rushing four. We're going to commit four bodies to these, and then we're going to try to mix and match and hope pressure gets home before Herbert can find." or one of these other receivers can break away from single coverage. And so that was their plan, and it worked pretty darn well. So th- th- you know what I, the thing is is that Indy can do it, you know, because, again, they've got Ngakwe, Pei, Buckner. Those guys are all really, really good at rushing the passer, and we know that that's what Gus has always done. He always rushes four. He doesn't believe in blitzing. Yeah. So, you know, depending on who they face in the playoffs, it'll be interesting to see if they try to take that model because I do think it was, an effect- it was effective in getting rid of Mike. And, and making it very hard for Justin to find Mike downfield before the pressure got to him, you know, before Mike was able to break away. There were a couple couple plays in there where I think maybe, uh, but that's just asking so much. A guy's got a clock in his head, and you kind of get a feel, you know, Justin is going to get a feel for what the pressure is and how long he has to throw, you know, and he got, he got, he got tagged, I think, twice on, on balls that he probably should have got rid of. But I think he was just so frustrated and trying to let those routes develop that were just very hard for him to get because of the double coverage that, that Mike was facing. So you take that piece of it, um, and again, that's frustrating, but th- there's just a lot that you kind of said to get to. So the other thing is, yeah, he's got one touchdown in, in the last, I think, 10 quarters, right? Yeah. And three interceptions yeah. in the last 10 quarters. So... If, and I brought this up on the on the broadcast with DJ. I said, hey, if you if you were to draw it up, and I said, hey, you know what? Justin's going to throw three picks and no touchdowns in 10 quarters, but you're going to get five rushing touchdowns, and the ground game's going to average over four yards per carry. How you feel about that? He said, Sign me up. 
sign me up for yeah. as unbalanced as it's been all season. You know, to, when you look at the totals, I want to say I want to say there's 600 and th- it's around 630 ish attempts, pass attempts, and I think it's around 350 rush attempts. Like that's how out of balance we are right now on this team, run to pass. So to be able to try to get that balance back in tow as the playoffs come around and you don't know if you're running or passing and you have to honor those play actions because we know how effective those have been, I think that's that may be what we're setting up here is, is Joe Lombardi is trying to get this thing back in balance for film, for teams that are like, all right, give me, give me the last five games, cut up the last five games, what are we looking at? I think you've got to have so much more of that balance for teams to have to prepare for. Um, and, and then I think just if I'm going to nitpick, because I'm sure we'll probably move on from Indy here and shift, but like if I'm going to nitpick, there's a couple like there's a couple things I just don't want to see. Um, on that third and goal, why is Keenan coming off the field? That's the, that's the one guy I don't want to come off the field. You know, there was a really – and I didn't understand the package at all. It was, it was Parham, McKitty, and Everett. He brought in three tight ends, and they all went out in the pattern. And it was a, it was a very strange – it was just a real strange call. And, and I think just beyond that, I don't ever want to see Keenan Allen off the field on third down. And, and he, Never, was, right? he was upset. Like when they didn't get the touchdown, he was, he was freaking hot. And he was, he was, it's, he was in Staley's ear. And, and I think he was uh, – it was funny because DJ's like, yeah, hey, I think Keenan's uh, sharing the same opinion you have right now because he was and – I, and I get it. It's like, man, the guy's unstoppable. Like, let's not what, – what, just let's not overthink it. I, I get trying to, you know, hey, I've been sitting on this one for a while. Let's put this one out there and see if they know what we're about to do. I get it, but I, I'm more comfortable going with 13-81. Let, let's get 13-30 and 81 out there and let the chips fall as they may. Uh, the other thing is, uh, on that first drive, third and a half yard, come on, man. Let's just – the guy's seven for seven. He's seven yeah. for seven. Let's just get him under there, get the half. First downs, not touchdowns. Let's go. Um, and they got back to that later in the game, you know, where it was just right up the gut. Yeah. Um, so, Keenan still – you talk about being bracketed, 14 targets. I had to – I was just looking at the uh, snap counts, buddy, as you were talking to. Gerald Everett wasn't even targeted. I, he, I think he was on the field for 54% of the time. So yeah. that, that kind of uh, – I'd have to go back and see – why he wasn't targeted. Like you, you mentioned that one parm play was, was awesome. Trey, yeah. Trey had the holding call, but, um, but Gerald is, is a guy that they're, they're going to have to get involved. I guess when, when you, when you do try to take 81 and 13 out of the game, um, Gerald and, and Joshua and obviously Austin, he's been catching balls all, all season. Um, but I found that curious. I was like, did Gerald play in the game? Yeah, <laughs> he was at, well, again, I, I think, you know, the Indy, because of how bad they've been offensively, how inept they've been offensively, the defense has unfortunately been overshadowed. Gus has done an exceptional job. Yeah, uh, yeah. And look, if they, you know, and I'm guessing Gus very well could end up looking for another job this offseason, you know, because of the, the, you know, Frank gets fired. So don't know what his future is. But their linebackers are really good. They're, they're really good. Um, Okereke, Zare Franklin, they're really really good and I think you saw a lot of that um you know you you just saw their effectiveness whether it's in coverage uh rushing the passer 
uh, their ability to tackle right away. They did a really they, they, look. It was just a, it was a good defensive effort from Indianapolis, and you know, and and Herbert, I think, you know, again, while the stats aren't eye popping, you know, thirty one attempts for two hundred thirty five yards, still seven and a half per uh, the Chargers. You know, when you go through team stats, they converted fifty percent of their are not quite fifty percent of their third downs. They went on a little bit of a roll there though on third downs and then they hit a little bit of a lull. Um but they you know they won the game by 17 points. You yep. know and and I think it's it's complimentary football. I think that's what people have to remember. Like when the defense is playing dominant, it doesn't necessarily mean the offense has to blow a team out. A lot of it could be complimentary football. It could be hey, that was a pretty rough interception there. So make sure that doesn't happen again, you know, with the pressure. Finally, that's the first, you know, that's the first lost fumble of Herbert's career. When you think about how much pressure that guy's been under his entire career, how many sacks that he's taken, how many pressures he's taken, that's the first time he's ever lost a fumble. Um, He's fumbled before, but he's been able to corral it or someone else has. But it's the first time he's ever lost a fumble. So I think my guess is his coach, you know, might have called in the adjustment of, you know, defense is on fire. The the Colts, they, 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 they can't do much here. Um, so let's make sure we play it conservatively, and they did, and and I thought it you know went pretty darn well. It did, and just to give you some perspective on how dominant the defense was, <clears throat> those three points came on those basically those two fifteen-yard penalties by Darwin on that one drive, and then right. they were they were fourth in in one inside the twenty because of that uh, fumble, that Herbert fumble. Right. Other than that, the defense, they didn't even come close. No. They didn't come close to the red zone. No, 170 yeah. total yards. Uh, yeah. Three and a half yards per play, zero for 10 on third down, one for four on fourth down. Uh, time of possession, eight minutes more. Like it's, <laughs> it was just, you know, and you look at penalties, and that's, the only, like you said, six penalties for 60 yards on the Chargers. That's what really kind of got them those three points. And, and perhaps made it twenty to three instead of twenty eight or thirty one to three. Yeah. All right. Hey, let's take a quick break. We'll we'll back on the other side. We'll talk Rams and uh, playoff seating. All right, guys. Introducing Ultimate Chargers. It's the free to play next level fantasy football game. Open packs, collect players, pick your lineup, and crush the competition. Ultimate Chargers. Play now inside the LA Chargers app. Also, want to remind you to play the Chargers Picks Now. The official L.A. Chargers Pick'em Contest is where you predict the game outcomes for a chance to win a Chargers jersey. Check out the free-to-play Chargers Picks tab in the L.A. Chargers app to play. And for every game this season, when the Chargers defense gets an interception, you can score a free chicken sandwich when you buy one at your local Popeyes. Visit chargers.com promotions to learn more. So, Money, the Battle of Los Angeles, New Year's Day at SoFi Stadium. Uh, the Rams crushed the Broncos, really put that, that organization in a tailspin this week, um, scoring 50-plus points. And I'll say this, the, the Rams, um, they're, they're not tanking. They don't have a pick. No. Uh, McVay is, is coaching the heck out of Baker Mayfield right now, and uh, they're going to be ready to go on Sunday. Yeah, look uh, – Baker's playing for his career. We know what a gamer he is. I mean, he's a freaking guy that, you know, um, was the number one overall pick. You know, there's a reason. You've got all these evaluators. If guy didn't go number one, he was going to go top ten. So there were a number of people that thought he was a franchise quarterback. He was for a second in Cleveland. Uh, He's obviously faced a lot of adversity um, throughout his career with the, the coaches that he's had to play for, the chaos in Cleveland. 
um, heading down to Carolina where, you know, it seemed like it was a pretty rough go under Matt Rule who got fired in the middle of the season. And, and now he's got to figure out how to learn a playbook, you know, for a team that's got one of the worst offensive lines statistically, um, has a running back that was benched for four or five games and reportedly had it out with his head coach before they finally kind of had a little bit of a peace pipe meeting and, and were able to sort things out. No triple crown winner from last year in, in Cooper Cup. Um, you know, and, and a defense that's, you know, down Aaron Donald, the best player in the NFL. So, and all he did was hang 51. Now, granted, some of those were defensive scores, but um, was put up 51 on, you know, uh, the best defense points-wise in football. You know, nobody has allowed fewer points this year than the Denver Broncos, yeah. and this guy puts a 50-burger on him. So, um, look, one thing I noticed is he took what they gave him. It was all tight ends. It, it, it was, I mean, Higby had a monster day, um, and it was just, and, and Baker did a great job. You know, he was able to move away from pressure. I watched all of his dropbacks as well. He played a really, really good game. Um, when he was under pressure, he hung in, you know, long enough to let a route develop, but he really used his tight ends. Um, it was a lot of Bryson and, and uh, Higby, and he also used his backs a lot. I think, you know, between Van Jefferson and Powell, um, I can't remember. Oh, and Atwell. It just seemed like they were barely involved. So, you know, that's where hopefully, knock again, Derwin's, you know, good to go because that's, you know, if that's how you want to do it, just throw him on Higby and be like, all right, 11 targets, nine catches. Derwin, here you go, bud. Go uh, go knock that out and let's see if he's got a counter to that. So McVay's a great play caller. You know, he's in the conversation as the best in the league. And I'm sure he dialed that up specifically for what the Broncos' defense was presenting. Um, and you would assume he's he's he knows Sean. He, look, Brandon Staley knows Sean McVay. Sean McVay knows Brandon Staley. They know each other really well. So it'll be interesting to see how these two guys – are, are scheming it up to try to knock the other out because we know both of them are exceptional play callers on, on each side of the ball that they call plays. For as bad as Baker looked at the beginning of the year, it just goes to show you what an awesome play caller and offensive head coach Sean McVay is. For him to come in moments notice and to play the way he's playing. And listen, Chargers fans maybe should should give the Rams a gift basket, right? They, they, they completely buried the Raiders in any chance of the playoffs a couple of weeks ago yeah. in, in the last seconds and put the Raiders into a tailspin where they're going to have a new quarterback next year. Yeah. Um, they, they Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. For as hard as I've been on Derek Carr on my radio show repeatedly, uh, the, char- the, you know, the, the Petros and Money side of me has really enjoyed taking shots at Carr the uh, the Chargers play by play side of me is like nah, keep that guy there as long as possible because uh, I know he's got a couple wins and a couple big wins against the Chargers but uh, I don't ever feel like I say wow Derek Carr really won them that game no last year in Week 18 it was Max Crosby uh, and Josh Jacobs really won them that game uh, same goes you know with the pick six and stuff back in whatever it was Week 13 Week 12. Um, so yes, unfortunately the Raiders are going to have a new quarterback next year. And I wouldn't be surprised, Chris, if we're playing Tom Brady twice, you know, uh, next year, that would not surprise me at all. I think, you know, when you're talking about a team that is, is desperate to do something now, you know, that, that wants to get this done now, you know, Devonte Adams is 30. So it's not like, you know, Darren Waller. 
These are these are all players that are seasoned vets. I don't. It doesn't. You know, Max Crosby. It does not line up as a. Oh, we, we're going to draft our quarterback of the future and uh, you know figure it out in the next two three years. Does not feel like that. It feels like it's a let's reunite somebody with Josh McDaniels that he's worked with before. Um, and look, we thought this was going to happen this year when when they arrived in in Las Vegas that the yeah. car was going to be out that it was going to be a figure out a way you know to get Garoppolo there or get you know maybe Tom Brady and remember that's that's now come out that 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 was the place that he thought he was going before he went to Tampa. And he was like, you're sticking with that guy, you know, and there was an expletive in there. You kidding me? So it's clear that Tom seemingly wanted to go to Las Vegas to play for the Raiders. Um, you know, grew up in the Bay Area when the Raiders were there, even though he was a 49er guy. So, you know, not to get too sidetracked here, but no, it's, that would be my guess. We're I think gonna it's, get to it anyway. You know, we're it's Garoppolo. It anyway. Yeah. Big I think it's Garoppolo, shiny. Brady, or, yeah, I just, you know, there's a lot of people that are speculating, oh, maybe, you know, Bill Belichick will, will bring, Derek Carr is not, a, I, I just, I can't see that marriage at all. I, I don't see, you know, I could be wrong, but um, that just doesn't seem like a fit to me, Derek Carr, Bill Belichick. Um, but who knows, you know, and they're talking about maybe if he's over Mac Jones, that Mac Jones gets traded back to Vegas and Carr goes to, to New England, but I just can't see that. I think it's more likely he gets cut than yeah. traded. It's it's such dangerous business to have forty million bucks on the books um, and trust that a team is going to go through with a trade that's sort of been agreed to before you can actually consummate it a month later. Um, I think they would just as soon move on, and that's why he's not playing, so the injury guarantee doesn't kick in. Yeah, Carr's going to have a market though. Um, you know. I look at a team like Arizona or Tampa, like when Brady does move on from Tampa, um, they're going to need a quarterback. Yeah. Arizona, they're going to need a bridge guy uh, until Kyler's ready. Um, uh, but you know what? What about Lamar Jackson in in silver and black? I feel like, I feel like they're going to pull out all stops because you said it. They have, they have the tight end in place. They've got a slot guy. They've got Devontae Adams. They have a heck of a running game. And I, I, something that stuck to me at the beginning of the year, I think Steve Young said, if you put Lamar Jackson in an actual a, a, a passing offense with, with, a, with a passing guru, um, look at what he will do. Look at what he could accomplish. Hey, I, and, I'd, as, as, again, as the play-by-play person for the Chargers, I'd be all for it. You would not want that. Yeah, let me, let me – no, I, I do want it. I absolutely oh, you want, want it. it. Oh, yeah. Okay. You want to put Lamar Jackson into a passing offense and ask him to drop back and try to distribute? Let's go. Let's go. Bring that in. Uh, there's a reason the Baltimore Ravens built the offense the way they built it, um, because that's that's what's a complete nightmare for teams. You know, when you're able to level the numbers because a guy can take off and run, and now you've got wide receivers that can block and tight ends that can block, and a running game that can you know that's 230 pounds, and you're rotating three, four guys, and that's a nightmare. You know, the one thing that gets the Ravens every year is when Lamar drops back to throw and they're not making first downs and like I'll never forget the wild card and maybe my you know my sort of approach and, and my position is distorted because man when we went in to play that wild card game and I was floored at their approach I was like what are, do you guys not remember what happened 3 weeks ago in Los Angeles when you ran the ball down the Chargers' throats and Lamar yeah. was freaking running and all these dudes were running the ball and they come out and they start throwing it around 
And next thing you know, you got incomplete passes. You got scrambles instead of designed runs where you're, getting, you're fumbling the ball. And the Chargers go up two scores, and they can't recover. Um, so by all means, thanks, Steve Young. Drop them in there. Um, it'll be interesting, though, because that's going to cost you two first-round picks. And I do think a team yeah. would be willing to give it up if they put that franchise tag on Lamar. I could totally see a team giving that up. But I, I, And again, I think you have to design the offense specifically for his exceptional skill set. I mean, he's an incredible player, and I would be all for it. If I didn't have a quarterback, 100% I'd give up two firsts for that guy. But I do think you know, you've got to design something specifically for his unique talents because he is unlike any other quarterback in the league. And um, I don't think it's drop him back and let him distribute. I just don't think that's the effective way to do it. Yeah. Maybe not so much drop him back, but like he, he's never had a Devontae Adams. No, yeah. no, you're right. You know, so you, you get him a weapon like that. and Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, <clears throat> but you know, And Darren Waller and, you know, pass catchers and stuff. But yeah, I think, hey, I've, I've gotten Next year, this it'll, be, it'll be fun. Listen, the speculation of Lamar Jackson in silver and black has gotten this exactly. podcast completely off it's the rails. It basically, the, the reason we even got to this point is because the Rams wrecked the Raiders' season. The, the Rams yes. put the dagger in the Broncos' season. Uh, Nathaniel yeah. Hackett fired. And, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think we need to go like, okay, what do the Chargers need to do to win to, to beat the Rams? They just have to keep doing what they're doing. They have to play great on, on third down. Um, I'd like to see this offense experiment a little bit more and get ready for January. And then that, that second half scoring, the, the third quarter, come out strong in the third quarter. I think they really do have to figure that out because it, it, when you're playing postseason football, every freaking quarter counts, man. Yeah. And, and that, th- that third quarter has been a liability for this team. And again, they were rolling. You know, that first drive of the third quarter, they're rolling. It's working. You know, and then all of a sudden you get that holding penalty. And it becomes first and 20 instead of first and 10 from the Indianapolis 29. It just feels like there's been one of those every single game. Um, so, yes, I would love to see it. Um, I like the game plan. It's, it it might have been, and, and I, I should have done the, the, the work before we started the podcast. Shame on me being lazy. Um, but I want to say it was the first game we've had this season where they had more rush attempts than pass attempts. You know, it was 31 you know, pass attempts, 32 rushes. So, you know, let's see more of that. I would love to see it. Keep it balanced. And, you know, Josh is averaging, Josh was averaging 4.2, I think, per carry. Austin Eckler's averaging 4.1 per carry. We got two Eckler t- rushing touchdowns. Um, they did it again. You know, they did it against Miami. They did it against, um, they did it against uh, Arizona. Well, no, not Arizona. They did it against Miami. They did it against Tennessee. And now they did it against um, the Colts where they had a clock-consuming second-half drive. You know, that, that final drive that, that Eckler scored a second touchdown on, it took eight minutes. Game's over. You know, think about Miami. Eight and a half minutes for the field goal to put them up two scores. Game is over. You know, those are the things that get me excited because that's playoff football. That is, can you run the four-minute drill? Can you convert third downs? Can you keep them off the field as they're standing on the sidelines watching the game slip away from them? You know, just sucking the hope from from them, you know, in terms of victory because they can't get you off the field. Those are the things that I'm excited about with this team, you know, as the playoffs approach. Against the Rams, look, they we said it. They had six sacks last week. I know the Broncos' offensive line hasn't been great, but, you know, the Rams, again, it's another team with a good front. You know, Leonard Floyd is, you know, even without Aaron Donald, you've got guys that can rush the passer, specifically Leonard Floyd. Sure who's a really good pass rusher. And I think after that game, I want to say he's now double-digit sacks. I don't remember. I think he had two um, 
in that game. He might have had and anyway. He's he's coming up on you know on double digit sacks if he's not already there. I know Bobby Wagner had one. Now I'm looking at the box. Uh, Murchison had a couple, so they can get to the quarterback. Twelve quarterback hits last week. Now look, Russell has been a giant disappointment this season and does not look mobile at all, despite being a mobile quarterback. So a lot of that plays into it, but. I think it's another test for this offensive line to see if they can give Justin, you know, some time to throw the ball and, and take advantage of opportunities that present themselves downfield. All right, let's look at the playoff picture real quick because I, I, the Chargers have all but locked yeah. up the six seed, right? The, the, so right now, well, they need seven, one more win to lock up that six, right? One so, more, right? One more, and so, it's official. Uh, They'll get, officially be no worse than six if they get one of these two. So a win against the Rams or the Broncos gets you the six seed guaranteed. The seven seed right now, the Miami Dolphins, Tua in concussion protocol, probably not going to play this Sunday. They may not play again. They may not play again this year. Um, so they have the Patriots, who are seven and eight. And the Mike White New York Jets could win out and punch their ticket as the seventh seed. So that's all interesting. But what's in front of the Chargers is more important here. We talk about Lamar Jackson. If he, if he does come back, who knows? They could be the three seed if they win out. And who knows? The Chargers could potentially go to Baltimore. Um, so that Cincinnati- to me, like here's – if we're if we're getting into it, Chris, like here is my – look, ideal scenario for me is Bengals win out. Somehow the Chiefs drop one of these final two. It's not likely. But like that's – if you want to have the best case, there's your best case. Why? Because if that happens, the Bengals become the one seed. The Bills and the Chiefs very well will have to play each other in the divisional round. And that's what you want. Can you get yeah. those two teams to play one another so you don't have to face them both? I think is the is is the best case, right? So if the Bengals knock off the Bills, uh, the Bills then slip to two. The Bengals, uh, the Bengals, I should say the Bills slip to three. The Bengals go to two. Chiefs go to one, but remember the Bengals knocked off the Chiefs in Cincinnati. So if there's a hiccup there by the Chiefs, now all of a sudden the Bengals go to number. So that's best case for me. Second best case is the Bengals, as you mentioned, lose out. Again, they lose to the Bills, and then they lose to the Ravens. The Ravens end up winning the AFC North, get to the number three spot. The Bengals, if the Chargers win out, follow me here, then slip all the way down to the six. So now you have Chargers, Jags, or Titans in the first round. And then you will have for the third time in a season, the Ravens and the Bengals play one another. And to me, the best case then is Bengals knock off the Ravens as a wild card, and they're the ones that have to go to Buffalo in the middle of January to play that Bills team while the Chargers would then get to go to Kansas City, who will have already played a wild card contest against the Dolphins or the Patriots or the Jets or whomever is behind the Chargers in that. And that, to me, is is the second-best path because now the Chiefs have to beat a Chargers team that's been right in all of these games with them uh, a third time, which we know is very hard to do. So I hope that makes sense. That's kind of where... Yeah, I think mapping out all the possible outcomes. I don't know where yeah. you you know where do you sit? What would you like to see? I th- I think I think what I'd like to see is the Chargers to win out to get to eleven and six, and the Ravens to drop one to the Steelers or the the Bengals in Week eighteen. You go to Jacksonville or Tennessee, 
and then whoever bring it on whoever yeah. it is right like i I, th- I think getting to the f- to the five seed and having a revenge game against jacksonville or uh, a game against tennessee and malik willis on the road um can really kind of set the tone for the postseason you either get revenge over the jags or you beat a Titans team, you're feeling good going into whatever cold city that's in front of you. Like that, that, That's, I think, the most likely scenario to me. I think the yeah. Chargers are capable of just beating the Rams, beating the Broncos, playing the winner of that, uh, that AFC South contest in Week 18, which is so weird because, like, you know, it's, it's one thing to, like, uh, rest your guys right before a game, but, like, the, the Titans and Jags are in this really unique situation where whatever they do this week has no bearing – on week 18 and getting into the postseason. So like you're seeing the Titans, they're resting a bunch of dudes. I mean, they really can't rest guys. Their guys hurt, but um, Dallas is going to get a very watered down Titans team on Thursday. I don't know what the Jags are going to do against the Texans, but um, I I just, I want, I want to see the Chargers move up to the five seed. And and I think the best path is to have the Ravens drop one of these two. I think it makes sense. Yeah. The Ravens either lose to the Steelers or the Bengals to close out the season. Chargers went out. One of the great things, um, that that I like about the way the season is mapped out for the Chargers is Week 18 in Denver. So we know that Denver has been dealing with some serious weather, um, crazy you know fluctuations in temperature. It's been down to you know 10, 15 below. So like I love the idea of a game that you know doesn't have playoff you know that doesn't have playoff consequences attached to it. Playing the cold, you know, to get that get that rep. Before, if you got to go to Buffalo, you'll have it fresh, you know, from two weeks prior. This is how, you know, this is the style of game we played. This is what it felt like. This is how you have to prepare your body for extreme cold, you know, and, and get yourself ready. Um, now, you know, I think anybody that's ever played, uh, you know, or, or done anything competitively knows the the role that adrenaline plays. It's it, it really is an incredible thing to have coursing through your body, you know, and how it does allow you to to compartmentalize and, and not have external effects really kind of come into play as much as you would think they, they do. But I do think there's something to that. Being able to play outdoors in Denver in the first week of January before you may have to go to Buffalo or Kansas City or Cincinnati or Baltimore in those elements I, I think is going to end up going a long way for, for this team. Before we get out of here, so, so the big three in the AFC, you know – when I saw Miami go into Buffalo a week after the Chargers beat them and go toe for toe, and to see the Jets go toe for toe with with the with the Bills, to see the Minnesota Vikings go in there and beat them, um, leads me to believe the Chargers have every opportunity to yeah. go in there and beat the Bills. Uh, they beat Cincinnati last year in December, cold weather, up twenty four nothing. They have played the Chiefs in Arrowhead as tough as any team in the NFL. They beat them last yeah. year in Arrowhead. So I think a lot of the guys on this roster have experienced beating premium teams, whether it's in the cold, whether it's in their home or visiting stadium. Uh, I don't think this this uh, AFC playoff picture should intimidate the Chargers in any way, man. I, I, I think if they just play who's in front of you, play the defense you're playing, and then, you know, I, I just I truly believe Justin Herbert, he rises to the occasion. And, and and I think that if they can just have everybody meshing at the right time, this could be a special postseason. Now, at the same token, they may enter January without having beaten a playoff team because there was no playoff teams on their schedule. Like right. the, the only playoff teams on their schedule, 
Jacksonville, Kansas City, and San Francisco. Because if Tennessee drops out and Miami drops out, those were once playoff teams, not anymore. So yeah. what what better way to kick it off than like getting revenge on the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Yeah, look, we've seen it uh, a million times, you know, that the number one seed doesn't end up making the Super Bowl. You know, we've seen wildcard teams. You know, last year, the Bengals, you know, managed to sneak in at the end, and they had to win two road games. You know, they had to win a game. You know, it, it, what, did, what did Burrow get sacked nine times? You know, in Tennessee, they win that game. They go to Kansas City. They have a miserable first half, make some adjustments, come alive in the second half, win in overtime in, in Kansas City. So, like, it, it can be done. Like, we've seen it. You know, we saw the, the Patriots do it right against Patrick Mahomes. Yes, they've been to the the AFC Championship game four times, but they lost two of those games in Kansas City. So we've seen them drop. Look, the the stats are misleading in that game against the Bears for Josh Allen. You know, he he did not have a good game. You know, it was the fourth quarter where he was able to pad those stats a little bit. You know, he threw two bad interceptions. Um, You know, he's kind of been a little hot and cold this season. Uh, The defense is really good. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't, you know, I don't think there's... That there is no elite team. There's no team in either conference. You know, if there, if like, if you were to to say, hey, of the fourteen team, thirteen other teams in the playoffs, are there any that like really concern you? Uh, the only one I think I'd probably list is like, man, that would be really tough. Is the 49ers, just because of how good that defense is? Um, you know, we saw that they shut out the Chargers from basically doing anything in the second half, and they've done that to like every one of their opponents. That's like the only one to me that that. And, and again, they've got an offense where they're playing a, a rookie quarterback, and we've seen this before. You know, the Gardner Minshew story. There's a handful of these in NFL history where these guys come, they catch fire, and then teams start to get a, a rhythm and a beat on what they what they like and what they do and where they can attack, and you know, they end up you know, kind of settling into what perhaps their draft position suggested they should be. So um, even that's a vulnerability. But I'm with you. I I don't think they should fear any of the teams ahead of them. Uh, I don't think it matters what the path is. We're just talking about what the preferred path might be. That Jags team will not see the same Chargers team they saw in week four, whatever it was when they saw them. I think it was week four. Um, It'll be completely different with Rashawn Slater and Joey Bosa and a healthy Justin Herbert, and it's a team that doesn't. Yeah, and it, it's a team that doesn't have experience. You're talking about so much youth and no playoff experience for the great majority of that team out there. You know, whereas the Chargers are going to have Khalil Mack and Kyle Van Noy and Seabass and all, and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, these guys that have been through it, Ty, Gerald Everett, who've been through it time and time again uh, in the postseason. So I think that gives them a great advantage as well going up against a team like Jacksonville. And just remember, too, like, remember what this Chargers team went through last year. Um, They went to Philly. It was freezing in Philly. Uh, You know, I know Hurts is is a bit of a different player now, and they added A.J. Brown, but ball didn't hit the ground. Justin Herbert was awesome in that game, and and they won uh, against the Eagles at Lincoln Financial. And I go back to this year, too. No Keenan, no Mike in Santa Clara. Justin is is hanging with the 49ers until the very, very end. You lose Christian Covington. You lose Tito Abonia that game. Um, you were already down, guys. So um, I, I want to say that this team over the last two years has been tested 
by good teams, even though yeah. you may go into the postseason not uh, having beaten a playoff team that's currently in the tournament. Shoot, like you you have been tested this year, and you even go back to last year. Um, largely, some of these teams are the same, and the Chargers have delivered. That's all I have to say. Mike. I think. Look, I think a lot of times. Hey, listen. I, I to put a wrap to put a bow on it for me. I think you know we we talk about it all the time, and it's a cliche in the NFL. It's not necessarily always the best team. Uh, more often, it's the hottest team. And if the Chargers go into the postseason having won five games in a row, uh, sitting at six and six, you know that that sixth win coming um, off a two point conversion at the very end of the game to kind of set the tone. Um, or whatever it was, I think it was. What were they? They were five and they were five and five. So yeah, they lost the game to the Raiders. But um, you know the the game against the the Cardinals, like you said, they really kind of kicked this thing off. They have a little bit of a hiccup against the Raiders, and then dominate the Dolphins, uh, dominate the Titans, dominate you know the Colts, and just keep rolling. I, I think, especially if it's you know, especially if it's a a defensive led. You know, just watching the, the numbers change so dramatically. You know, the third down numbers, the rushing numbers, the total yards numbers, the points per games. These are all categories that the Chargers were like 32, 31, 30. And now you're starting to see 24, 21, 25. And, and you know, it's still bottom half, but it's a reminder of, holy cow, this team is playing great. And they've been the best defense in football the last three weeks. Points, third downs against the run, against the pass, yards per play, like across the board, DVOA, defensive EPA, like all of that has been Chargers number one. And, and again, yes, it's the Colts, but it's also the Titans and it's also the the Dolphins. So, you know, do it, to, do it against the Rams, do it against the Broncos, really go in with momentum, feeling like, okay, we're that team, the proverbial team nobody wants to face. Here we come. Uh, and you put your opponent on its heels a little bit. And allow me, if in fact they do get the five, I'll just plant the seed right now before everybody else starts belly aching about it. Yes, they need to change it. They need to change. If you win your division, congratulations. You won your division. You're in the postseason. But just because you win your division does not mean you get a home game. Once you get into the postseason, it should lay out by record. It should not lay out by four division winners, three wild cards. It should simply go in order. Um, you win the division, you get into the postseason. That is your reward for winning the division. It does not mean you get slotted ahead of a team that finished with a better record than you. So they go 11 and six and roll into a Jacksonville eight and nine. Um, and people are going to, you know, they're going to start again. And I think it's deserved. It. it does not make sense to allow a team with an eight and nine record to host an 11 and, and six team. It should be changed. You can get into the playoffs, but you can't host a playoff game. <laughs> that's what that's what could happen in the NFC too. The, yeah, the, it the will. Cowboys may have to go to Carolina or I mean Tampa, I guess. Yeah. But these these South these South uh, divisions they, they may actually lead to change. I hope that happens, actually, buddy. That's a good point. Yeah, it doesn't. I don't. I just don't under. They're like, well, no, divisions got to mean something. It does. You get into the playoffs. You're in. It does mean yeah. something. You have punched your ticket into the tournament by winning your division, but because you have not been as good of a team as the wild card teams behind you through the regular season, you get slotted appropriately. You will be the seven seed. Every game you play will be on the road because you have the worst record of the tournament teams. And to me, that's I just don't I, I can't I can't figure out what the argument is in favor of keeping them as the you know, as a home team to get a home 
game in the wild card. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know what the position would be. Well, you won your division. Okay, it was a crappy division, and you won it, so you got in the playoffs. That's fine. Your record is not as good. Every other tiebreaker, every tiebreaker would see you in the dead last position. So why not honor the tiebreakers? Just just throw the, the, the division crown has got you into the playoffs. Now all the tiebreakers apply. Where do you belong? Slot yourself in. We'd there's have a damn hole. In, there's four teams in the NFC East that will probably make the playoffs. I mean, if, if Washington wins out against so. Cleveland and, and, a, and a Dallas team who may have nothing to play for in Week 18, you, you can see the Giants, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Commanders all in the playoffs. And it goes to your point, like, you can't you can't penalize a team just because they're in a, a really good division. I mean, right. it, the, it's very rare to see four teams from a division make the playoffs. And the funny thing is, like, when the Giants and the Commanders played for that tie, everybody castigated it. They're like, oh, what a stupid move. you got to win and not. And it's like, no, 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 look. That's what will get both of those teams in the playoffs. I think everybody yeah. wants to see the Lions. They're such a great feel-good story. You know, rallying here at the close. If they can knock off the Bears and then you got this, you know, potential win and get in for the Packers and the Lions. If the Packers beat the Vikings this week, that could be the the Sunday night, you know, punch your ticket. One guy, one team goes, one team goes home. Uh, instead, like you mentioned, because of that tie, it's going to end up, you know, the Giants and the Commanders could end up as the seven loss and one tie team instead of eight losses that the Lions and the Packers already have. And it will have saved both of their seasons in terms of getting into the playoffs. What a what a nutty NFL season that is. And, you know, Chargers nine and six though. Uh, hope, hoping this team wins out, gets to eleven wins, plays with a little bit of momentum. Money, you've been kind enough to join us on your vacation. All uh, good. New location. The mic sounds fantastic. Uh, you know, you look like you're in a very professional setup over there. Yeah, thankfully, uh, my uh, my older brother, who's uh, here in, in Hammond, Indiana, uh, is uh, a bit of a media guy himself. Well, not necessarily as proof. He's a lawyer, but um, he does some political stuff back here in, in uh, the region, and they have their own podcast. So he's got a full-on, what am I, one, two, three, freaking four-camera shoot is what I'm looking at the other side. Um, and here, I'll, I'll, I'll help the people out real quick. It's kind of yeah, funny for those it. that are watching. So here we go. Here can we is, play the uh, Bears next year? Can we do this in Chicago next year? Yeah, right. Oh, you know what? As a matter of fact, I can't do it because we're recording, so it won't let me change it. But anyway, uh, yeah, huge thank you to, uh, to uh, the Left of Center podcast with Mayor Tom and Kevin Smith for letting me uh, use their studio today because, yeah, it seemed like it sounded pretty darn good. Shout out to Kevin Smith and Mayor Tom. There we go. All right, money. Enjoy, brother. And I don't know what they got going here, but uh, ring the bell of tequila. <laughs> I won't be drinking any. <laughs> it's, hey, what time is it over there? 10, 10 15? It's, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, 10, 17 right now in the morning. Wait, wait a few hours. Wait Absolutely. Few hours. All right, buddy. Uh, for buddy, I'm Chris. Uh, this has been Chargers right. Weekly. We'll see you at SoFi Stadium on Sunday. Ooh.